I woke up with that passion. I wanted to do it. Any regret that I have is that I didn't journal all of it. I should have journaled it. Mm. it was, you know, once in a while I'll think of it and I'll be like, oh man, I wish I would have wrote that down. Because the, the journey is really where the love is. Uh, uh, I had so much, so much fun being broke and struggling in the beginning. like and, and just waking up with that passion and that hunger together and being able to utilize it. Welcome everyone to episode 24 of the Cassandra Properties podcast. Uh, we have a real treat for you today. Um, a beautiful human being. We're joined by my good, good friend, Sal Crisquolo. He is the, or one of the uh, leaders on the home team for Freedom Mortgage. He is an entrepreneur. He is an author. He is a motivational speaker. Uh, hopefully one day he'll be a partner of mine in one capacity or another. I'm dying to do business with this guy. He's just that kind of a human being. And uh, as I said in the beginning, above all, he's a friend and just a wonderful, wonderful person. Uh, Sal, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, James. And thank you for that beautiful introduction. Damn, I should just leave now. Um, <laughs> just wrap that, it up. That's it. Thanks, okay. everyone. Thank Stay you. safe. <laughs> thank you for the endorsement. I approve this message. Um, yeah, the, the, the feeling is mutual, my brother, um, very mutual. Uh, from, from the first time I met you, I mean, I know, uh, I know the history behind you, the Cassandra Properties, and uh, I've respected it all the way <laughs> since I've been here on Staten Island. Well, uh, I appreciate it. Years. Yeah, thank I, you. And coming from you, um, that means a lot because you are really the gold standard um, just as a, as a human being. In, in the short time that we've really gotten to know each other on a different level, uh, I have to say that I'm moved just about every time we speak. So, um, and that, that's, that's just speaking from the heart. It's one of those rare, genuine, genuine people. So you, you, you do a little bit of everything and, uh, the audience often likes to kind of take a glimpse behind the curtain and, and talk about, you know, uh, growing up influences and, and how you ended up where you are today. So let's, let's go back, uh, you know, in time a bit. Um, did you have, did, was there this passion to be involved in, in so many things and to the public speak? You have like 57,000 followers on Instagram. I mean, you're really like, was this always part of your DNA or walk us through that? I mean, it, it wasn't always part of my DNA. Um, I, I had to, when I, when I was in school, um, I was actually left back in the sixth grade and it was because of math. Um, all I do basically most of my day is math, yep. uh, basically with to my mortgage business so having that experience at that time and and those teachers in the, in the school that I was at and um, watching my mother uh, who was basically a single mom she would work and wherever she worked I worked she worked in a fabric store I vacuumed the fabric store mm -hmm. she worked in a funeral home I vacuumed the funeral home um, so she always made sure that I had that uh, that respect for money and uh, and waking up early in the morning and you know earning earning a good wage um, I did fall into different crowds when I was younger, and believe it or not, I think that's where I've learned most of my lessons. Yep. Um, able to see, you know, see people for who they really are, and uh, and learn. I learned to not judge people. Um, I, nobody has business judging anyone until they're perfect, and we know how that works. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I would have to say, you know, I, I would really look. I got to look to my mom, and she was really, um, she was, she was something else. <laughs> so we share that. 
um, same thing with me. You know, mom, uh, single mom, and out hustling in real estate and, you know, anything else she could do to, to make ends meet. So uh, I was also dragged around from appointment to appointment. And, um, you know, it's funny when you said that, it brought back memories of, of her working all hours and uh, me being in the office and doing the same thing, cleaning the desks and <laughs> vacuuming and helping her, you know, put her phones in when she made the decision to go on her own back in 1989. That really does have an impact on you. Yeah, they were the they were the gangsters, <laughs> they no were, doubt. Really, they they put their time in, and uh, what, what better role models? And you know, it actually attests to the fact of the person that you are, uh, and the legacy that you continue. And uh, I think it's a beautiful thing, and you know, the love of a mother. You, you don't realize it, you know, as you're going through it, and you're you're kind of grumbling that you're you're not doing what you want to be doing, goofing off as a kid, yeah. uh, but being a part of of that. Uh, it certainly does imprint on you, I think, a couple of things. I, I think that um, from a work ethic perspective, you know, seeing mom go at it and hustle the way she did and, and seeing her struggle, whether she recognized that at a young age, we recognized it or not, um, having an understanding of the value of money and uh, just... Yeah, she was a beast. She still is. She still comes in, you know, and slaps us around slaps so around. often at the end of the day. Yeah. But I, uh, I actually know what a bar of soap tastes like. So yeah. Oh yeah. It's not. It wasn't fake. I'm gonna put a bar of soap in your mouth. If she put a bar, I know what ivory tastes like. <laughs> ivory soap. <laughs> I tell my kid they don't believe me, but my I, I can't knock my kid. My kids just uh, have three children. I have a son and two daughters, and um, they're just so good. I I tell them why don't you be reckless once in a while. <laughs> One he has to get in trouble with. They're just they're just good kids. Well, young adults now, um, but uh, yeah, trying to pass the uh, pass the baton. So, did you ever get the wooden spoon? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I got the wooden spoon a lot. Um, she broke a lot, a lot of wooden spoons. Yeah, I got she the wooden spoon, the backhand, yeah, the right? Belt. Yeah, the backhand, the yeah. belt. It's funny as <laughs> as you grow up and you you know become an adolescent and um, you know you're. You and your, your friends are doing what you do and you're getting into trouble. Um, I was always, and to this day, I'm going to be honest, right? I'm still petrified of my mother. To this very day. <laughs> That's great. Isn't that crazy how you that know? sticks, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. Like, uh, you know, I'll go. I'll take on anything. My mother, I'm still afraid of at 45 years old. And Remarkable. As you, as you should be. <laughs> as you definitely should be. So you have this experience with mom and uh, your education uh, is not exactly in sync with where you ended up in life, right? So why no. don't we talk through that a little bit? Sure. Well, I went to, um, I actually went to Bishop Ford after I graduated St. Athanasius, which was right next door to my house. Like I, I heard the bell from my home. Um, Bishop Ford didn't work out too well and I ended up going to Lafayette. Um, I went to Lafayette just in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, I got a call from my uncle uh, from Seattle, Washington. And if you think I did a lot of stuff, wait till what I start to get to now. He got me a job at Boeing. Wow. I worked for Boeing uh, temporarily for about a year, um, learning how to uh, put planes together using rivets and stuff like that. And I, I continued with, with school there at uh, Everett Community College while I was there. Uh, and I was training at Boeing. I missed home a lot and I missed my first girlfriend who's now my wife 
Um, I was 17 at the time. Wow. Yeah. We've been together a long time. Congratulations Thank on you. that. Thank you. We've been together a long time. Um, I won't let my kids grow up in the same parent household. <laughs> yep. <laughs> in, in any case, I made sure she was the right one. But I, I missed her a lot. So uh, I did come back uh, after a year with some new skills and a little bit of a southern drawl at the time. <laughs> I did speak a little differently. Um, but while I was down there, I had a horse. Uh, I learned, like, the country life. and it was, it was just a beautiful thing. The air was unbelievable. I, was, I had an axe. I mean, when I came back, I was actually, I went from being out of shape to being in pretty decent shape. And I started playing hockey, um, which is basically it was a prelude to my life, hockey, and, and just uh, learning how to uh, get along with people, having the camaraderie uh, through the sports. I kind of brought, brought that, that effort and that, that team-like spirit to everything I started doing. Um, my problem was the, I thought the way I felt about people was the same way people felt about me, and that's you can't look at life like that because everybody has their own experiences, and uh, you, you can't um, expect them to think how you do. It took me years to figure that out. Um, yeah. You always want to see the best in people, especially if you have the best interests and heart for them. Um, but, you know, you learn, you learn as you go, but you can't take that black eye and, and hand it off to the next person. You have to give everybody a clean slate. Um, and as long as you do that, I think you'll do well. So I came back, and uh, I had this idea. Like everybody was making money on Wall Street. I didn't know what they were doing or how they were doing it. So I said, let me go get my Series 7. Mm -hmm. Went down to Wall Street. Um, I took a couple of classes with some crazy guy, Tony DeSico. I'll never forget his name. I saw him later on. He was acting in and stuff like that. Um, got my Series 7, 63, uh, 24, and uh, started, a, started a book of business. I didn't really like the way the first firm was going, so I went and I applied to uh, Gruntle. I worked there as a clerk. Um, I was uh, doing uh, underwriting. I was looking over and reviewing mortgage-backed securities. So I was actually got into the business from the back to the front. Yep. I, and I, I was like, Who's making this money on these? And they're like, well, the loan officer gets this and the bank gets this. And I was like, oh, that seems like a profitable business. I, I, I think I could do that. I had a friend who had a call center in Brooklyn. I asked him if he's selling daily news subscriptions. I asked him if he can turn it on for mortgages and that I would split it with him, whatever mm -hmm. he did. He had a, a room full of people. And uh, the first night we turned the machines on, I got an application. It was... Uh, Brothers, it was actually the owner of uh, one of the Brothers Pizza on Staten Island in uh, on Page Avenue. The father, Vincent, I think was his name. You don't forget your first deal. Um, so, and that's just where it started. You didn't need a license or anything back then. Um, I started with that. I built up a nice book of business with referrals. Um, all at the same time, I started building a family. When the family comes, all of a sudden, you put your head down and you're starting to work you know, yep. those, those extra hours. There, you know, I was probably working 25 hours a day out of 24. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was waking up in the middle of the night and with, with, with ideas. So I uh, started building that business up and uh, all the time uh, playing hockey. I never stopped playing hockey. It was the one thing that I didn't have to think about. It was, it was my zen. It was, yep. it was just, you know, you put the skates on and the whistle blows and, and you're playing. You don't think about anything. And trust me, I didn't think about anything. I would hit people, they would hit me. Scoring goals, you didn't even know what was going on, but it's, it just takes on a life of its own, um, which is once again where the camaraderie kept coming in. And I'm, I'm friends and I still play with the same kids, I'll call them, um, that I played with uh, back then. 
So to continue on, because I'll keep continuing, James. This will keep going. <laughs> so to continue on, <laughs> while I was on Wall Street uh, and making that transition to mortgages, I opened up a sandwich shop. I, you know, I, my mom made the best meatballs in the neighborhood. So I'm like, let's sell my mom's meatballs. And I said, Mom, I want to sell you meatballs. Can you make them? She's like, eh, because my friends used to come over to the house. They would always talk about my mother's meatballs, rice balls. Um, so I opened up a sandwich shop with a friend of mine on 61st Street and 20th Avenue called S&G Sandwich Shop. And when I tell you, we had lines around the corner. Really? Yeah. I, I would close the gates down at 3 o'clock and skate to the park, 18th Avenue Park. And we'd go and we'd play... Um, play hockey until it got dark out because I had to play hockey. I wouldn't stay open until five. I, I refused to. I told my partner, you want to do it? You do it. I'm going to play hockey. Um, and uh, the sandwich shop was doing well. I uh, subsequently sold it because the food service business, I didn't see it for me. Yep. Um, but Chuck Scarborough put us on the map. I believe he was on Channel 4 at the time. If he's still on, on Channel 4, I don't know. But he came in, he had a, a corned beef or a pastrami sandwich, and he talked about it on the news. You're kidding Who me. Who does that? Yeah. Yeah, he talked about it on the news. He goes, I heard about this place, and I went down there. We were open a short period. Um, but when the guy came to uh, you know, give us an offer on the, on the place, he knew that, and he saw all of that, and he was just like, I'm going to ride the coattails of this thing. And I was like, go right ahead. Here's my mother's recipe, too. If you want to, she'll rent her out. She'll make the meatballs for you. Um, so we sold it at that point, and that's when I jumped into full mortgage mode. Um, and at that time, I was starting to dwell on all the ideas on how to grow the business um, and uh, went from you know, telemarketing to starting to network. I, I saw that I had a great niche uh, in the networking arena and that I could, you know, if, if I met people and spoke to them uh, and got them past my look, um, that I can probably do a little bit better. Uh, I had, a, I guess I had a look um, that wasn't approachable back then when I had hair, a full head of hair. <laughs> And I had still the Brooklyn drawl. Even old friends of mine, when I see them and I run into them, they're like, you talk differently. And I'm like, I don't talk differently, you know. So uh, I just want to pause for a minute because we covered a lot Thank of you. ground there. I can have some water. Um, so it's, it's interesting that for you it's hockey, but um, people like us are, we're always on, right? Uh, wake up in the middle of the night, ideas. Hard time falling asleep, ideas, wake up first thing in the morning, ideas. We're always going. Uh, and that while that's great in, in some regards and it's productive, it also can be debilitating because you don't get that time to check out. Yet, if you hit on your zen, as you referred to it, it washes away completely. Uh, for me, it's fly fishing. And I could be... You know, I'm manic most hours of the day, right? I'm constantly going, constantly thinking. And I hit the water, and it just, hours can, can burn off the clock. And I, I'll, I won't even be cognizant of, of how much time has passed because for whatever reason, when you hit that zen, again, as you described it, um, and we need that yes. badly, Right? We'll lose our mind. <laughs> we'll lose our mind. So I thought that that was interesting that for you it's hockey. And, and before we really dive into the mortgage stuff, you had mentioned mortgage-backed securities. I want to know more about fly fishing, James. No, I'm, no, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, let's go. I, I, I love it. I'm not it. even kidding. I, 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 I love fishing. Mm -hmm. And once again, it is that's a, definitely a great place. I, I don't find the time really these days to fish anymore. But I was, when I was younger, my mom used to take me fishing, so she gave me that love. 
I wish my kids had a little bit of it, but uh, so give me a little bit of the fly fishing. What's the little technique? Sure. So uh, for me, um, the reason I'm drawn to it is I think the challenge, right? Uh, it's fly fishing is certainly uh, one would argue the most difficult, which of course is in my personality. We've got to do the most difficult you know, <laughs> way of doing it, but um, there is a beauty that comes along with reading the water and identifying the proper season, taking the rocks out uh, from, from the stream, seeing which bugs are hatching, uh, trying to match, you know, I call it match the hatch, match that to what's in your box, what's hatching above water, what's going on subsurface at that particular time. You know, a trout basically just will sit there and will watch you know, millions of bugs fly by its its it its nose all day long, right? They're washing by, they're washing by, washing by. So they will pick out the small. When I tell you the smallest detail, uh, you could have a fly, a, a size twenty fly, like this, you know, tiny, tiny fly. Uh, and if you have, um, I don't know, a, a cream thread on the belly of one and a green thread on the belly of another, you could throw that that cream belly past that fly a hundred times to pass that trout a hundred times, it'll never touch it. If you put the green thread, right, and that happens to match what's happening subsurface at that time, you'll get the strike right away. So there's an art to uh, reading the stream and identifying the pockets of water where the trout is feeding at that point in time, um, being able to identify through which season it is, are they going to be up in, in the rifts? Or are they going to be laying back behind a rock? Uh, are they feeding subsurface? Are they feeding, you know, up on the top? Uh, and there's just a beauty to it. Um, you know, for me, when you look at nature, um, and I don't want to get into religion, but for me, Mother Nature is what uh, solidified there's a higher being, right? There, it is so perfect. And there are so many symbiotic relationships and there are so many things that I've observed in nature where, you know, you go, this all can't just be a happenstance, <laughs> right? Yep. I mean, uh, so I just love being out, you know, uh, with my feet in the water and um, I don't know, it, it is, there's something so therapeutic about it. Uh, so I started to get into tying flies, right? Where I don't know if there's anything more rewarding outside of, of course, family, than you know, sourcing the materials and actually tying the fly and then getting out on the water and catching a beautiful trout on something that you tied that you know has to be so precise. Yeah. You know, uh, we do a lot of fishing up in the Delaware because uh, they're natural. You know, the stockies are easy to, to catch or easier. Uh, but these natural fish that are just their whole life is just identifying. They're just smart. Wow, something's just not right about this thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, something really rewarding about it. I, that's my new thing that I learned today. Yeah. That's, that's a smart fish. I mean, it is a smart obviously, fish. it's a smart fish. you got to respect the fish. I, you yeah. have to respect the fish. It yeah. reminds me of the book. Um, I forgot the name of the book, Man and the Fish, The Old Man and the Fish. And um, It was a movie, and there was a quote, um, they were like, well, you know, they, they respected each other, the man and the fish. Well, you know, why did the man catch catch the fish and, and, and kill it? And he said, well, the man got to be a man and the fish got to be the fish. And uh, it, it's so true. I don't know if you catch and release or not, but mm -hmm. it's, 
it, it's a beautiful thing, just the nature. And, oh, I'm getting zen. When you were just talking about it, I was picturing the different colors and the foliage and everything that, that must be around there. And uh, I'm glad I asked you more about it. There's <laughs> nothing like that moment when you release the trout back in. <clears throat> it's It really is a biblical experience for me. Whenever I don't get out often enough, but when I do, it's something I really, really enjoy. So... Uh, I thought that was interesting. For you, it's hockey, and for me, it's fishing, but but we have to have those things. Uh, mortgage-backed securities. The audience, a uh, large portion of the audience, won't know what that is. Can you yeah. talk us through that a little bit? Um, mortgage-backed securities are basically the credit package. Um, I would say the credit package and all the documents that go into the mortgage. Um, there are a lot of different instruments. Uh, once a mortgage is recorded, whether it be the deed, the note, consolidation extension modification agreement whatever it may be it's it's a big package and uh, it gets quality controlled um, from the loan officer to the processor processor to underwriter underwriter to bank management and then bank management to the secondary market the secondary market is basically where your mortgage is bought and sold and traded. It's just like a security would be traded. So these are the notices we get your yeah, bank your, your bank loan has, has been sold yes, your yes. loan has been <laughs> sold right okay yeah, yeah. So That's, they're selling the paper, yep. they're securitizing it, selling they're grading it, on the it They're grading it. So that what we would do, we would grade the paper. So just like in school, you grade A, B, C, D. Um, so the more time that lapses, the more obviously you have of a, um, a history of that mortgage. So it's the, more pro, the better performing the mortgage, the higher the grade. Or the better the credit score, the higher the grade. Mm -hmm. um, the higher the income and credit score, the higher the grade. So we had our different buckets that we'd grade them into and we would just make sure everything that you know everything led up to what it had to lead up to these days um i, I there's a lot more um intense documentation than back then back then i don't even there wasn't even a credit report it was a trw <laughs> for those of you that know i'm dating myself i swear i'm not 50 yet. <laughs> uh, my son's 30 but i'm not 50. and um so we would just basically quality control it grade it and uh, make sure that everything that was supposed to be in the package was in the package. And if anything was missing, uh, we would then backtrack it to uh, the, the proper party. So it could be packaged the, correctly. So then they're, they're packaging these notes and, and um, misgraded notes is what led to uh, such an issue back in 2008, yes. right? So they're selling these notes. You, you go and you borrow... Uh, keep number simple, $100,000 from the bank. You take a 30-year mortgage. After 30 years, you're paying back $400,000 total, right? So you're selling um, bundles of these at a discount to the, the par value, the full value plus, it, yep. plus the full interest to these bigger institutions. And essentially, that's the revenue stream and that package for the next X amount of years. Yep, correct. Got it. And that's how the bank is then um, able to bring some liquidity back or lower their ratio, right? So that yep. they're able to go out and repurpose window and, yep. and re resell this again. Okay, so uh, sorry for that interruption. I just wanted the audience you to You explained that better than I could, James. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> I'm, I'm being honest. I would have spoken with a lot different words. <laughs> so you, you had a sandwich shop. Uh, you took your 7, 63, 24. Uh, you're playing around in Wall Street. You go ahead and, again, as a true entrepreneur would, uh, you identify a call center, and you guys start uh, hammering the calls. Day one, you get a hit. Yep. And where does it take us from here? Oh, boy. I, uh, I, 
I saw a big, uh, big movement to Staten Island at the time. At the time, I lived in Bergen Beach. I saw a big movement to Staten Island. I wanted to move to Staten Island. And uh, my, my office was on 86th Street and 15th Avenue with the call center. But all my business was in Staten Island because people from Brooklyn moved to Staten Island. Uh, so I started marketing more in Staten Island. I met an attorney uh, through a friend of mine. And uh, he, he was doing my closings and everything. And he said, wow, you, you, know, you have good business. You have good clients. You know, why, don't, why don't you do this yourself? So I'm like, yeah, sure, great. I'm like, you know, from the start, you know, let me back up a little. From the start, being in Wall, on Wall Street, I saw you know, companies went public, what they did. And at that time back then, you know, Chemical Bank, Chase, like all of these different banks started going public. And I was like, wow, um, I, you know, I saw an end goal there. And I was like, you know, we can make something really, really big of this thing, you know, at, at some point. And um, I had this grandiose idea, which I've never faulted. I still actually have it. Um, it's just, you know, right place, right time. Uh, I, we went partners. I went partners with this attorney. We got our broker's license. Uh, we came out the gate very, very strong. I mean, he was in St. Martin for a month. When he came back, the check I gave him was so big. The next day, he was on South Avenue uh, talking to Richard Adio about leasing the first space in the building other than electrical. Wow. And Edward Curry, we took 10,000 square feet. Um, we, we, uh, we, we didn't want people to leave the office. We wanted to work because, you know, it was, it was doing so well. We put a barbershop in there. Uh, Lou from Continental, he's on Staten Island. He had a barber's chair in there. He would come. He would do that. He would cut our hair. Um, we had a gym in there. We put a gym in. Uh, Richard uh, Adio at the time, you know, his people, we, we allowed them to use it and everything. Uh, so we, we had a shower. We had lockers. We had no reason to leave the office. Once again, they gave us the spot for, at a, for a great deal back then. And, uh, you know, the business just kept growing and growing and growing. I, you know, won't speak too much further about my partner, but you know, I was kind of humble through the whole thing. Um, I don't really like the flash um, mm -hmm. anymore. You know, when I'm when you're a kid, it's it's great. Yeah, I wanted the brand new car, or whatever. But now I'm more like, you know, give me the one with the better gas mileage. You right. Know, like, yeah, <laughs> I don't really care. I'm not racing anyone right now. Uh, I drive an F-150. I, I love it. It's, it's the best I thing. Drive ever. a Dodge Ram, baby. There you go, man. I, That's I, it. Yeah. <laughs> Try, try throwing this in your vet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and plus, my son has a challenger, so if I ever need a sports car, I can use this. Um, so we created a, a, a mortgage broker. Uh, we took the brokerage company from uh, three people to, at, at one time, I believe we had uh, 125 employees. Um, we had steady, constant growth. Um, started getting a little bit uh, political, I would say, and uh, I just didn't like the 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 way it was going, mm -hmm. it just didn't gel, you know, and personalities aside and people aside, you know, I, was, I always deal with great people, but if you, you know, if to have, if, if I'm dancing and I go to the right and you go to the left, it might be a problem. <laughs> You're stepping on my toes. Maybe we're not good partners for dancing. So I, I needed to find a new dancer. So we, you know, we, we had an amicable, um, had an amicable split. I actually went back to where I was previous to, to starting this mortgage broker and taking this mortgage broker through the channels. Um, I did take it. We turned the broker into a correspondent lender. We were going to turn the correspondent lender into a banker. So we were going down that path, uh, you know, pretty, pretty tight. Um, but it just wasn't, it wasn't a good mix um, for what we had as far as the partnership went. So, um, couple of things there. So number one, you were a visionary, right? 
to, if you think about how today all the rage is having offices, right? Pre-COVID, of course, where drop-off dry cleaner service, fitness centers, barbershop, that became the campus-style kind of office became popular in this last economic cycle. So it's a testament to you identifying that early on in your career, which just I seem to find the more and more I talk to entrepreneurs, the more and more they're hitting their marks and they don't even recognize it as they're going through the paces. Um, and, uh, you know, on the partnership thing, people grow apart, right? Uh, as you are, you know, becoming a, a young man and, and uh, your value systems form and others' value systems form, uh, that happens, right? And, and I could see, you know, it took a little bit of a pause there, and, and I'm sure uh, th those are never easy. I went through one of them here, uh, and uh, I still love them to death, John. But sometimes you grow apart. Those things happen, right? Yep. Just wanted to throw that in oh, there. Oh, 100%. Sorry, interrupted you again. No, so, you didn't. You're back on Wall Please. Street. <laughs> here we go. Back on Wall Street, slang and star. <laughs> um, I, I really liked sales. I really liked shaking hands and kissing babies. It was, um, it was just, it, it just felt right. I felt at home and I, I, I woke up with that passion. I wanted to do it. Um, I just, I, uh, any regret that I have is that I didn't journal all of it. I should have journaled it. Mm. it was, you know, once in a while I'll think of it and I'll be like, oh man, I wish I would have wrote that down. Uh, because the, the journey is really, is really where the love is. Uh, uh, I had so much, uh, so much fun being being broke and struggling in the beginning like and and just waking up with that passion and that hunger together and being able to 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 utilize it and and, and there is a reward at the end when a loan closes and the people actually know that you worked hard for them and i actually liked the harder loans you know loans that people would turn away i would bring in and i would i would say listen sit down this is how credit works okay this is your credit report if you were to pay this off, this off, this off, you know, your score will go up, but you got to make sure, you know, and I, I just explained what credit was. I talked to their account. I'm like, yo, they want to buy a house. They're making 150,000 a year. You're, you know, you're writing it down to 5,000. They're not going to get a house that they want for that. <laughs> you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too in some instances. So I, I would school them and that's where all the referrals came from because they sell the best. He, you know, he helped me when nobody else would. And, you know, I just did it because I wanted to do it, um, but it just ended up, you know, it, it was one of those things where you do good, you get good. You did and it because you care. Yes, yes. Oh, thank you, yes. I, right? That's, yeah, I definitely, I definitely do. And it, it, it's also an albatross. It really yeah. it could weigh on you because um, sometimes you just care a little bit too, too much. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, and I, and I even said it to a client this morning. I'm like, listen, I'm sorry. The underwriter might just see you as a number. They're looking at 60 files a day. You have 58. That's who you are. You're yep. 58. You're not Cheryl. You're 58. I changed the name to protect the innocent just now. Um, so I told Cheryl that. And it, but, it, but it's true. So I'll, you know, I'm going to give it up. They're going to hear this. I'll tell the client, send me an email stating what you just told me. I need to send that to my, to my underwriter. And I do it all the time. If any, of you under, if any of my underwriters are listening right now, I'm sorry. But I have to do it. You have to know what I'm going through. You know, I can't get kicked in the teeth. Um, I take my referral partners very, very seriously. I made a business out of answering my phone Sunday night at nine o'clock. Yep. Um, I don't do that anymore. Not on Sunday night. Uh, Sunday's my day. 
Um, I know you probably have one now too, but Sunday's my day. Yep. I, 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 re, I refuse to work on all Sunday. I'll forward it to somebody else on my team. You take Saturday, I'll take Sunday. Um, I need that, that day, uh, for many reasons. Um, so where was I? Um, so you, you said fly fishing, right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> can we go back? So I, uh, I, I went back to sales cause I loved sales. And at the time I started, uh, I wrote a, a, a guide for my new loan officers and, um, I wanted them to, to know, you know, I would teach the class, teach the class, teach the class. I want them to have a book, a guide. So I wrote a guide and, uh, somebody said, Hey, you should publish this. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't know nothing about publishing. Like, no, publish this book. Any, any, you know, loan officer, I'm like, all right, let me tighten it up a little bit. So I tightened it up a little bit and, uh, I wrote a book and I had to come up with a title. I couldn't come up with a title. I, I used to tell people you got to sell yourself. Yep. So uh, the name of the book was sale of self by Sal Crisquolo. And, um, I published, I self published that book through, um, create space, a company called create space that was online. And, uh, you know, the book actually sold and, uh, I probably bought most of them at the time. Um, but you know, I gave them away, I signed Christmas gifts, stocking stuffers. It, it, it was an easy read. Uh, people used to call me, say, I love your book. I read it on the train. I'm like, you read the whole book on the train. They're like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I got to add more pages. So what I did was I kind of, I, I kind of stopped that book and I, I went and I wrote sale of self volume two. And I just added more content that I forgot to put in that book. And yep. the book, the book was thicker. All of uh, a couple of years go by. Uh, the book was moving a little bit, a little bit better than the, the previous book. And all of a sudden, I got I got letters from Barnes and Noble. I'm starting to get letters. You sold a hundred thousand copies. I'm getting checks in the mail. Wow. Yeah, they weren't big checks, wow. but they were checks. Yeah. I was making money. I did something that made money, like that another another avenue and i was sleeping while i was making money at that time which is really something i love to do um when you're sleeping and making money that's that's a beautiful thing i, I think that should be everybody's goal um so the book started selling it sold it sold over a half a million copies are you kidding me 100 percent sold over half a million copies oh please i was all over facebook how did you not know a half a million <laughs> yeah, copies? that's why i did the next book yes Yes. Wow! And I got an award from uh, I got a award reward uh, award uh, from Barnes and Noble once that happened, um, but the problem was CreateSpace took all my money. They they they, they took the lion's <laughs> share. They're like, well, on your next book you make money. Uh, CreateSpace is not around anymore. They were bought by Amazon. Okay. So after I published um, Paying Back Dad, which was really Sale of Self Volume Three, mm-hmm. uh, it was supposed to be. Uh, but it paying back that just sounded better because rich dad, poor dad. I just thought it was a better title. Everybody around me said, let's go with that. I went to, uh, uh, had it, it was at, my books were all edited by colleges, college students. I made it like their class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd go to a professor, listen, uh, why don't you edit my book and, uh, I'll give you a free copy. And you, you know, it's, it's a great thing for a professor to teach his class how to edit using the book. So we, we did, the, we did the third book and, uh, uh, that's where the public speaking came in. So they were like, you oh, know, would you speak about the book? So I started speaking about the book. I'm like, oh, you have a talent for this. Um, you know, you're a pretty funny guy. I'm like, I didn't mean to be funny. <laughs> I just, it's just, you know, I want to keep the crowd going. Like even, even this podcast, you know, it's so light in here. I, 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 I would definitely watch and listen to this podcast and every other podcast that you do because you're <laughs> awesome. Okay. Let everybody know out there that you're awesome. For those who don't know you, they may think you're unapproachable, but you are one. You are really an awesome person. Thank Honestly, you. From the bottom of my heart, I'm not even kidding. 
Um, you're a really good person. You're easy to be around. You're easy to talk to and easy to listen to. In any case, I'm a fan. Um, <laughs> I am. What can I say? Uh, and I do. I'll, I'll stalk your Instagram. Uh, I will. But I like your posts. I like, I try, and I'll try to get in there. I, a lot of stuff shows up on the feed, as you know. Yep. Uh, so it's hard. Um, but I, I always try to, um, to, to, to pay it back to, to the people that I like and I admire and respect. Um, now to get backwards. You're going to have to edit this up a little bit. I'm just saying. No, we're just ripping, baby. You're public speaking. It's <laughs> great. I was so scared, James. My first public speaking gig was... Really? Um, yeah. I, I would think that was natural for you. No, no. I was at... I'll tell you a, a quick story. I had to go speak in front of like 20 people at uh, Di Tommaso Colwell Bankers. Mm -hmm. This was years and years ago. Frank, Frank uh, let me come in and speak. I walked into the room. It was probably the first time I was going to public speak, but I always wanted to. I was like, this is great. You know, but I was going to talk about mortgages, my, you know, my sweet spot. Right. One-on-one, -on -one, I didn't have a problem. I walked into the room. I couldn't stop sweating. <laughs> it wasn't even hot. I couldn't stop sweating. One of the agents there, I love her for it. She went and she got me some paper towels. She pulled me out of the room. She gave me some water. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. I can't stop sweating. I mean, I sweat all the way through home in the shower. I sweat. I sweated in the shower. I, I, I couldn't stop. I'm telling you, I was scared. It used to that. happen to me too. Oh my God. It was pouring in sweat. The craziest thing. Like, craziest thing. If this was back then, I'd be sweating right now. Yes, me too. <laughs> the wet spots on the arms. But anyway, <laughs> um, so I was petrified. And, and they, you know, they do say that public speaking, people fear public speaking as much as more than death. I think that's a statistic legally. Uh, legally. <laughs> I think it's, I Googled it once. Uh, so it must be real. <laughs> must be true. Must be true. Um, so in any case, yeah, I was scared to death. I prepared, um, I, I got the gig actually through LinkedIn and it was for the Mortgage Brokers Association of New York. I'm like, this is great. I'm going to recruit. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. And uh, I, I, I was listening to the public speaker before me. Um, you know, I was looking at public speakers. I was watching them, you know, the best of the best I was, I was watching and, and, and trying to mimic, you know, in my own way. Um, but I got on stage and I had my slides and everything ready. The second I got up there and I, and, and saw the crowd, you know, it was my job as the keynote to kind of wake them up. I, I was there to kind of wake them up. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to go off script a little and I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to shoot from the hip. That's it. You know, I, I had some kind of marks, you know, I had different marks I wanted to hit for timing or purposes. Um, but I just went and I was myself and, and I was up there maybe five seconds. And my biggest fear is that I was going to come across as this Brooklyn guy, this, that, the other thing. And the guy goes, hey, you're a funny guy. Blah, blah, blah. And he started, he, he, he was like mimicking me like. You were getting heckled? Not heckled. No, not heckled. Um, he, he was quoting from uh, Goodfellas. Like he, like Joe Pesci or something. So I turned around and I. And I would never curse. Like, that would be the last thing I said. I said, hey, hey, and everybody shut up. I said, why don't you go get your shine box? <laughs> the curse was in the middle of it. It's online. You, I'll show it to you. It's online. Why don't you get your effing shine box? The crowd erupted. I'm talking. They stood up. They were clapping. It was, it was from there, smooth sailing all the way out. Not even kidding. I spoke 300 people. Not a problem. Uh, 1,200. I, very close to a TED talk, which I really wanted to do. Uh, thanks, COVID. Um, that's not going to happen. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's really how I made, you know, I had, I had a lot of help along the way. And then um, you never had another issue with public never speaking. Never had another issue that with was sweating, it. public speaking, nothing, nothing. That's remarkable. Yeah. It was, it was that point. That's when it, it all, a, a switch just went off. 
and uh, I don't I don't know. <laughs> One of my jeans died, uh, the, the the sweat jean. But uh, yeah, right then and there, I, I was able to to overcome that fear. Man, I ran right into it. Like I said, you know what? I'm gonna be me. <laughs> Win, lose, or draw, and I won. I won. It was it was great. It was on video, and I loved that it. it was on video. And uh, really, afterwards, I've signed books. I shook hands. I made a, f a lot of friends. I recruited some people. Um, it, it it turned out it turned out very well. So, you have such a presence about you, and the presence, of course, pours through on your social media channels. And I think that. Uh, that passion and that presence um, speaks directly to your business and your customers. Uh, you've got a 4.99 out of a possible 5 uh, on your reviews and positive testimonials. Where does that come from? Is that just the passion? Is that, you know... I mean, 4.99, we're doing something here, it's, right? Yeah, it's patience. I, I patience. have patience. Yeah, yeah. You listen, you know, I forget too. I'm guilty of it. You know, you, you take one phone call to the next and you kind of carry that phone call over. No, you got to stop, wipe it clean. First-time homebuyers, that's my specialty. If I'm going to be a specialist in first-time homebuyers, I have to start from the beginning. Where you buying the house, how far is the store, where your kid's going to school, the dog, this, that. You know, I... Is sort of kind of what you do, uh, you know, to some to some respect. I, I hold their hand. Mm -hmm. right? You have to hold their hand. It's a, it's a scary process. It's their, one of their biggest investments, if not their biggest investment that they're ever going to make. Um, I deal with young couples, and then I deal with now I deal with their grandchildren. Uh, I've been in the business that long, um, but it's it's the teaching. You know, I've tried videos. I have plenty of videos online. I'll send it to them. They'll still call me with the same questions. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but but I'll, I'll take the time out. I'll make the time. Um, and then I'll hand it to my team. And, and I'll hand it to the people that I know are going to handle um, that client with, you know, with white gloves. And uh, they, they know that they can always get in touch with me if, if they're having any type of issues as far as the clients go. I, you know, I, I have to spell everything out. And I tell them, stop. You know, this isn't, you know, you're not jumping three steps. One step at a time. Yep. Okay, this is our goal, right? This is where you need to be monthly, right? Okay, this is how we're going to get there. Right, I need you to, you know, do this, this, and this, and stop. Then we'll do this, this, and this, stop. So I, I kind of walk them through um, the process, and you know, uh, the first question anybody asks, "What's my rate?" Oh my God! If I told you that is the most annoying question or the worst question you could ask, yep. because it, that's people that's don't not, understand. No, that. they don't. They don't. They don't. They don't. Um, you know, we're coming into a different generation, yep. and uh, they're a little more um, prone to do their homework, I'll say, which is going to be a good thing, Without especially if they're going to do it all automated uh, online, yep. um, you know, through your rockets and whatnot, and your quickens. <laughs> Stock went from $34 to $20. I bought it somewhere around 28 Not a good thing. Um, it's a good thing I hedged myself with options. That's another story. I'm sorry to go off topic, James. No, there, there uh, is no topic. There is, We're just chatting. <laughs> oh, that's right. There is no topic. I like that. You know, and uh, when I was leaving, I'm like, uh, I'm going to a podcast, and uh, you know, I give her a little, I give her a little history. She goes, "Oh, what's the topic?" I'm like, "That's a, that's a good one." <laughs> I'm like, "You know what? Uh, they didn't give me an agenda." I was like, "I guess I'm just gonna have to shoot from the hip." She goes, "That's what you do best." I'm yep. like, "Thank you." Um, they get a kick out of me. I'm telling you, uh, not. To, I have a good subject. 
the pandemic, through the pandemic, learning my family in the wild is great. And them seeing me in the wild is great. It gets a little crazy sometimes. They're all, they'll all disappear. What do you mean in the wild? Explain. In the wild, in my in my element, on the phone, yelling it on the right. Got it. Processes, talking to clients, explaining things. Yep. You know, one of my kids said, hey, dad, you're pretty smart. <laughs> you know, jeez. <laughs> Wow, I didn't even know that was a word, you know. And 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 these are smart kids. I mean, my kid, my kids got scholarships to, to college. My daughter got a scholarship to uh, my youngest. Just uh, she's uh, doing her master's program now, Homeland Security. She's not going to do anything with Homeland Security. She's an artist. <laughs> she's an artist. The kid's an artist. She's in Homeland Security. You know, they don't know when they start. She goes, Dad, Dad. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm like. You don't even like to see blood. Like, God forbid. You're, you're homeless. She's here at the desk. I'm like, oh, here we go. Um, but anyway, she's she's such a good artist. She's, you know, right now I have a, <laughs> I took a bowl of fruit that I found that she painted, uh, that she colored for me when she was 10 years old. I said, I want you to make this bowl of fruit now. You're 21. I want to see what the bowl of fruit will look like now. And I mean, I'll show you later on, on some of the pictures she's drawn. She's the kid, the kid's got, you know, the ability of an artist to me is all in scale. You have to scale things mm -hmm. um, and have a good eye for that. Uh, I don't have that. My mother did. Maybe it skipped a generation. Um, but she's really, uh, you know, she's she's going to be the best artist in Homeland Security. <laughs> I'm like, please sketches maybe. You know, maybe we can maybe work that all in together. <laughs> we don't want to waste the master's degree. Um, it'll look good in the frame, but we don't want to waste it. And, uh, they, God bless her. But anyway. Uh, I digress. My kids, my kids are all great. My daughter went. <laughs> my daughter Megan is uh, a recluse. She's you know she's very shy. She keeps to herself. She's at Paul Mitchell uh, uh, years back, getting her uh, you know getting her whatever they call it a uh, hair license. I, I forgot the name of it. Beautician. And, yes, beautician. Yes, a beautician license. And she's she's great at it. But to be a beautician, you have to interact. And have that salesiness in you. Sure. She doesn't have that that outgoing, you know, personality. So, um, you know, she's once again, she she needs to get in her sweet spot and her passion. And her passion is troubleshooting. And uh, you know, she should have been the one in Homeland Security. The other one should have been the one um, in in cosmetology and beauti uh, beautician. Um, but it is what it is. And they'll come into their own. They're they're good. Um, they know how to focus. And you know, the hardest people for us to coach, even as a public speaker or a coach, is our own families. Yeah. I can't coach them because I'm dad. Yep. Uh, even, you know, I, I play hockey with my with my son, and, you know, he doesn't remember the days I was outside for hours shooting pucks and throwing balls at him <laughs> and shooting pucks at him. You know, he's a goalie. I'm a forward. Um, so it, don't, it only makes sense. And, you know, we play hockey together. But he didn't listen to me back then. He listened to me after I learned... Uh, after we started playing together hockey, because he saw, hey, I can score goals. And my thing always before a game, I'd shoot on him because I would show him that I could score on him. I didn't do too well towards the end of my, uh, towards the end of the years, but um, he's he's a really good goaltender. He won the championship with uh, Farrell. Oh, very yeah. nice. Oh, my God. And it was in a shootout. I'm a Farrell boy. Triple overtime. Oh, you're a Farrell boy. I am. My son won triple overtime with Farrell against St. Joe's. Was it St. Joe's? Yeah, it was St. Joe's. He'll kill me if I got it wrong. It was St. Joe's. I think we beat Severian first. Yeah, it was St. Joe's, I'm pretty sure. And uh, we were in triple overtime. So imagine I'm the father of the goalie. Oh, gosh. We lose. You're sweating again. I'm, running, I'm sweating. And the rink was freezing. And I'm, I'm sweating. <laughs> and I'm like, one guy, two guys, three guys, four. And I'm like, oh, my God. Then he let one in. And then the other goalie let one in. So it was one up. 
And when he made that last save, the team knocked him over so hard he got a concussion. You're kidding no, me. No, they, they, it was the best concussion ever. I told him, wipe it off. We'll go home. We'll put a little Robitussin on. You'll be put fine. a little Tussin on it's it. a little Tussin on it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so we, um, yeah, we, we get home. It was on film. Um, we, we had a party. I mean, we had a party. Then we went to Lee's Tavern uh, for the award thing. And it was just, uh, you know, to say I was proud is is an understatement. Um, you know, he, he played hockey. I mean, I was at Princeton with him playing hockey. And it was just, uh, you know, it was proud because I'm a hockey guy. You know, so you see your son like that. Yep. And it just, uh, it, it, was a, it was a beautiful thing. And we bonded. And, and when we started playing hockey together, it was so weird. God forbid you hit my you hit the goalie twice with your stick. I'm sorry, the dad instinct comes out. I took penalty after penalty. Don't touch the goalie. The referee, everybody in the league knows. If you call, if you ask anyone in Fort Hamilton, they'll tell you, don't touch the goalie <laughs> on Sal's team. Don't touch him. It it gets it gets messy. You know, it's you, you have children. If someone touches your child, it doesn't matter where they are. It's on. I don't care. You got yeah. You you, you hit them. Too, you won too many times. And I actually had more respect for goalies. Uh, after that as well. Um, you know, I used to run goalies all the time when I was a kid. Um, one of your producers over here, we had, we were talking about it before, so he could, he could attest to the fact, um, <laughs> you got the Brooklyn we, connect. Yes. We got the Brooklyn connect over connection there going on. on the ones and twos. Yeah. He skated on the same tar with the, with the, uh, with the sewer cap in the middle of the rink. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a father instinct came out. But we, but we bonded, and I'd go home. My wife, like, what happened? I was like, ah, you know, he hits how they did you get him? I'm like, yeah, I got him. We strained it out. <laughs> but uh, now it's all it's it's all good. When we play, uh, everybody knows, and uh, it's uh, it's a lot easier. So it's it's funny you were talking before about um, them seeing you in the wild. Um, Watch as the hunter on the Serengeti. <laughs> That's it, what I felt like. But well, we talked earlier about right us you know, gleaning that from mom and our kids um, don't have that opportunity, yes. right? Uh, because we've both clearly made very conscious efforts to make sure that our kids wouldn't be a product of a single parent has household, right? But in that, there are some things that they miss, right? Like yeah. we had the opportunity with mom. So uh, of course, during COVID, same thing, my kids uh, get to see dad in you know, full-blown work, work dad, <laughs> work <Yeah>. mode, <laughs> which can be interesting sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but just the other day he was pushing me on, on interest rates and asking me about, you know, mortgages. <laughs> like, so wait a minute, you know, the bank gets paid back how much over a period of time. So it was, it, it was crux. interesting. Yeah. Well, it, it was, it's fun that, you know, to, to have them see the other side of it and, um, you know, be a, a, a far more intimate part of my work life than the, the whole family than they ever were. It's beautiful during it's Corona. Be it really is. You know, the silver linings are what what we've got to pull out of this damn yes. thing because it's been it's been tough. So you you build this amazing business. Um, you you did something, and and again, talking about vision, where banks have you know almost systematically taken any personal service out of the equation right? Uh, you went ahead and made sure that somebody was not a number, right? People want to connect. Yes. And when you can connect with a professional in that way, and they are taking the time, that's your disruptor, right? That's what you're doing better than anyone in the business. And you are better than anyone in the business. Um, and, and that's so important. People want to connect. People are tired of, of not getting a, a person on the other end of the phone anymore. They're tired of being a number. So 
you've got a great business, you're rocking and rolling, COVID hits. Um, what do you see as, as, I don't know, are we emerging this year? Is it next year? Is it two years away? What's your forecast for folks out there in the financing world? Well, interest, interest rates, I, I don't see um, interest rates rising rapidly in the near future. However, long-term, I mean, I may have been saying this for the last five years, James. I, there, there's, you know, they're going to start to creep up. Me too, right? Yeah. But the, when? But when, yeah. I, I mean, and if we could predict, I mean, not, not to change subject, but the stock market as well. I mean, the stock, I'm watching, I'm watching institutions pull out. I'm watching pr private investors, Robin Hood guys. Everybody's, they're going in, you know, Sal, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? I think you should know it first. Like, if it's something you use, you buy it. You know, if it's, know what you're buying. But I, I won't get into the whole stock thing. Um, as far as real estate goes, it's right now, it's, it's, it's a very robust market uh, for me. Um, I do spend a lot of time on the uh, modification end. I don't get paid for it. Um, it's just a service I do for my clients or my clients' family members. You know, I have no choice. We are who we are. No, Some, you, but, but you do have a choice. And explain to people what that means, the loan modification, because you absolutely have a choice. Many people don't yeah. do it. Any, if anybody calls me and says they can't pay their mortgage because they're not working or, or they lost all their tenants or whatever the case is, you know, my heart starts to bleed. And, and it's, it's, I mean, it's that simple. I'm, I'm going to help them. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to give them their options. I'm going to tell them what I think is good, what is bad, what if their bank is good, if their bank is bad, um, what's been other people's um, outcomes with those banks, what a short sale is, what a foreclosure is. Should they be scared? Is the sheriff going to come and throw me out? Are they going to put my stuff on the street? <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, it's scary and they're yep. scaring me. And I'm like, wait, you know, let me, let me call a lawyer, you know, and I'll call one of the lawyers. I give you business. Now you give me some free advice for, yep. <laughs> from, for my, uh, for my friends, friend, you know, some people, I don't even know. They're just from Facebook. Sal, can you help me? Yeah. You know, it, it does hurt a little bit knowing that they could have came to me and then they went to Chase. <clears throat> sure. And then Chase denied them and they came back to me and I got the loan done. But, you know, but it's, it, it is, it, it is what it is. I'm who I am and I'm not going to compromise that for nothing. And, uh, you know, if I can help, I'm going to help. If I can't help, I can't help. I mean, there's certain times where I'll say, I just, I just can't help you. Um, but here's somebody who can, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll give them an attorney's number if it comes to that. Um, but for the most part, uh, through COVID, I've been blessed to, to be able to work from home. Um, I've been blessed with a great, um, a great team, um, you know, as well, as well as a team could function under these circumstances. Sure. And, uh, you know, the, the bank is breaking records. We're breaking records right now because people are home working. They're, they were, I'm getting emails four o'clock in the morning. We're yep. going back and forth. Um, this morning, four o'clock in the morning, I had a client tell me today, she's like, you sent me that four in the morning. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. I was like, I, but I didn't expect you to read it four in the morning. I told you to read it when you woke up. You know, that's normal. I didn't want to wait to hit send. I'm trying to go through my business. Yep. And, uh, you know, from four to seven, I was doing emails. I took a little nap and uh, freshened up. I knew I was coming here too. And I knew I had to go out to Jersey. Um, I'll actually go to a closing, by the way. Um, I don't know how many mortgage guys that do that, but if somebody needs me there and they want me there and they you know, feel comfortable, you know what? I started the ride. I'll stay on the. I'll stay in the car with you till we get there. Um, I don't. Good I, man, Charlie uh, Brown. I don't like it, but I'll do it. Yeah, um, I'll do it. You know, especially if it's if it's asked politely. Um, I don't like rude and nasty people, and if you're rude and nasty to me, I'm going to get rude and nasty back. I, it and it just it's it just it's. 
I don't do it intentionally or consciously. It just happens. Um, because I'm doing a service for you. If you're going to be rude to me, like I, I've fired clients before and it's so liberating. It's I hate this. It's so liberating. I'm sorry. I can't help you. It's go, so, you know, go some, go somewhere else. Um, I had a client recently, uh, about three months ago. Um, I, but I don't want to go somewhere else. I want to use you. I'm like, listen, the amount of time you're, you're stealing from me and the amount of money I'm going to make is, 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 probably 100th. I have a pipeline that I have to attend to. I can't talk to you all day, every day about the same redundancy. Yep. You know, it's, it was redundant. It was just the same thing over and over and over and over. I want to and a half. I want to and a half. I want to and a half. There isn't, it doesn't exist, buddy. If it, if you found a place that it exists, go there, right. please. And then just pass me the name. Cause I may want to work there too. <laughs> you know, and that's how the conversation <laughs> ends up. Um, uh, I don't even remember where we started. Well, we're talking about going the extra mile, people oh, not yeah. being a number, and that turned into all of the different things and the disruptors that yes. make you who you are. And, and COVID, and, yeah. <laughs> and that ties into um, what I wanted to touch on next. And believe it or not, we're like it's like crazy that we're, uh, we're going to midnight here. up on an hour. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about your, your philanthropic efforts, um, something else that has just been – you know, synonymous with your name. Uh, you're out in the community everywhere. You, you do an amazing, amazing job giving back. Um, one thing in particular I wanted to talk about was the American Cancer Society and the work you've done there. Um, the oh, the you marathon, <laughs> okay. um, you know, uh, I, when somebody when did we, their homework, <laughs> it, it, well, I, I've heard the story before and uh, we had touched on it briefly a couple of weeks ago um, at one of the events. And I just wanted, if you would be so, you know, kind as to share that story and sure. the injury and the whole thing. Well, the, the, the first marathon I ran, um, my brother-in-law was, uh, he was young. He was, um, he, he, my brother-in-law, John, we played, uh, we played softball together when we were younger. He actually got me into softball. So I'd play hockey and softball usually on the same days. And uh, he was athletic. He loved uh, he loved his sports. You know, he was an Islander fan. I was a Ranger fan. You know, we uh, I think the only thing we shared I, th I think he was a Met fan too. But anyway, um, he he passed away from uh, lung cancer. There goes the mood in the room. He he passed away from lung cancer. And uh, I wanted to do something you know in memory in, in memory of him. It hit the family really hard. Um, he actually uh, lived in the same house as us. Um, at leading up to that time, he worked for the Department of Sanitation. He was doing good. He was rocking on all cylinders. Great guy, too. Great guy. Big heart. Uh, my daughter's godfather. Um, all that stuff. So I was, um, I was, I saw the American Cancer Society in Old Town Road. I said, oh, you know, let me walk in there. Let me see if I can do anything. I walked in there and I met, um, I met a lady, Michelle. Uh, she was at the front desk. And uh, I said, hey, I want to uh, get involved with the American Cancer Society. What could I do? And she said, oh, we have a business council. You could join the, you know, the business council. You know, I, I think you'll fit right in. Uh, at that time, at the same time, I was doing research, research, research. I came across uh, this thing that the American Cancer Society had. It was called Team Determination. It was uh, raising money through athletic events. I wasn't an athlete other than hockey mm -hmm. and, and softball. Um, I was in decent shape, but not great shape. So I... Uh, I did what uh, any uh, anybody would do, and I uh, joined the marathon. <laughs> I joined Team Determination, and 
I was like, all right, I'm a joint team determination. I'm going to raise money. And uh, now I got this business council I will talk to, and, and we could do it. And, man, I met this guy, uh, Joe Cavello, Corey Shifter from Casal. I met some of the best people there. I won't mention all the names because they weren't the best people there, but I met some of the best people there yep. um, at the American Cancer Society and the business council. And we started talking. I'm like, you run a marathon? I'm like, yeah, like how far you ran? I said, two blocks yesterday. <laughs> I'm on a roll. I started with one block. I did two blocks. That's actually how I really did train. I trained one, two, three. I tried to keep doubling it, doubling, doubling. Before you knew it, I was up to 18, 19. I was hitting the marks that I had to hit for the marathon. So uh, uh, I said, you know, you know, what do we do with this um, You know, team? How do we raise money? Tell me how to raise money. They're like, well, you can use Facebook, social media. You could do pie sales, this, that, the other thing. So I was like, oh, pie sales. I, I, I could get pies. I went to Perkins. They, they opened their doors wide open. They gave me pies. I went to all these different places. Everybody donated. My kids made cookies. Uh, I turned my mortgage office into a bakery at the time. And, uh, yeah, and people came, and we sold cakes. I actually got business from it. I, I didn't want the business, but it just came. Yep. Um, but I wanted to get the pies. So, so we got the pies out. We sold them, you know, at, at, a, at a low price. It was a donation. Um, and I raised some good, we raised $1.1 million that year for the American Cancer Society and Team wow. Determination. They called me up one day. They said, hey, can you get to City Hall? We need you to go to City, we need, we need you to go to City Hall. I'm like, what am, what am I going to do at City Hall? Well, we know you could speak. We want you to speak. So I'm like, all right, I'll go to City Hall. I had a suit on. I went, I picked my wife up. They want me to City Hall. I'm like, I don't know what they want for. I go there, there's a crowd of people there and there's a podium set up with the mayor thing on it and everything. Um, at the time, I think it was, I think it was Bloomberg. It's either Bloomberg or, or Giuliani, whoever it was. He ended up coming there. I think it was Bloomberg. Yeah, it was Bloomberg. Um, so they, they call me and there's this Spanish congressman there and nobody that I knew at the time. Now I know everyone. I, um, I, I, I love Nicole, I love Joe Borelli, uh, all those guys. They're all, they're all friends of mine. They're all good people. I love my local politicians for the most part. Um, so I stand there and I'm like, right, I got to talk about this. Okay. So it, it was basically, they were lobbying to have smoking stopped in parks, public parks and on the beaches. So I'm like, I'm training because my brother-in-law died of lung cancer and I'm running down the beach. I'm running through Clove, Clove Lakes or, or whatever park I'm running through. And I have to run through plumes of smoke. Um, it, it, I don't think that's right. And there was a child next to me and I turned around. I said, do you think it's right for this child that, that, that could be on a beach or in a park with his mom? He's got to, he's got to take that in and who knows if that'll make him smoke one day or make him sick third mm -hmm. hand, you know, all this other stuff. Now this is coming from a guy who smoked when he was younger. I, yep. I smoked, um, when I was younger, um, my mom, my mom actually died because she smoked. She, she had, um, I keep bringing the room down guys. Uh, turn this up. Um, <laughs> So that made me stop smoking. Uh, so anyway, so I spoke and I got such, I got great results. They invited me to, um, I, I, I'm, I think it was channel seven at the time. So I got invited to be a member of, uh, the team's determination to go on, on channel seven. Was this all pre sweating or post sweating? You're, you're no longer a sweater. I'm no longer a sweater. So no sweat, no sweating anymore. Beautiful. No sweating anymore. I go to um, Channel 7 and I'm waiting online. Guy comes out, he goes, you're not supposed to be waiting online. This is the line to watch the show. You're on the show. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. 
I'm like, cool. I'm standing there with my blue determination shirt on. I look like Captain Idiot. Um, I'm like, and uh, so they bring me in. Rachel Ray's there cooking. I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. Awesome. I love your food. You know, and uh, I met, met her and I met all, all the people that were there. Stuff, Snuffleupagus, <laughs> Stepanopoulos. I met him and uh, I actually called him that. He didn't, he didn't find it funny. They have no sense of humor, none of them. And I'll say that right here. I love Chuck Scarborough. That's it. And Greg Kelly, that's all. Um, There's two people that I met that are actually on the news. So uh, turn it up a little bit. I um, I started doing at the same time also a radio show in New Jersey out of Rutgers. Um, it was on AM. It was called Money Matters, I think, something like that. I did that for six months just to add to my portfolio, <laughs> add to my resume. Um, so the American Cancer Society, back to that. So we did our first fundraiser. We called it the Evening Under the Stars. And we did it at the uh, South Fin. Uh, they hosted it there. And let me tell you something, um, you know, ownership of that place opened their doors wide open for us. Not, there wasn't friends to this day. Such good people, big hearted people. We raised so much money. We had chocolate fountains. I mean, it was a great event. It was really a great event. Uh, a friend of mine who sings Frank Sinatra was there. Russ, I miss you, Russ. I know you're going to listen to this and watch this. Um, but Russ was there singing. Everybody donated their time, their, mm -hmm. their money, their efforts. It was, it was blood, sweat, and tears, basically. 50-50 uh, raffles. You know, it was, it, was, it was a great night. It was called Evening Under the Stars. And uh, we, did, we did very well with that. Um, we did a comedy show um, at Cousin Vinny's, uh, where that's where I first met uh, Vic DiBetetto. Um, once again, that's another great guy. Donated his time like three times. Uh, for the American Cancer Society and us, and he kept the crowd roaring. Um, so I, I created a relationship once again with, um, with, with the gentlemen and the women at the American Cancer Society and the, the, the American Cancer Society Business Council. Um, then I could fast forward a little bit, I guess, to Sandy. Sandy hit. Yep. And uh, I got a call from American Cancer Society. There was a, a, a house uh, that was flooded, and they needed help. So I was like, all right, you know, I'll rally the troops. So I called the same people, you know, business council. Some of them said yes, some of them said no, or whatever. I could say Joe Cavello and Corey Shifter said yes. Uh, as they and, always do. As they always do. And my son, <clears throat> and my son said yes. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry. And, and Tom Pellegrino, I can't forget him. Uh, so I had a plumber, I had an electrician, I had, I had a whole crew with me. Mm -hmm. We went to this house for this old people, these two old, old elderly people, old people. God, I'm an old people. Um, <laughs> so we went to this home with this elderly people. The gentleman couldn't speak. He had one of those the voice box yep. things, and he, he had major problems. The basement was flooded. Uh, the electric was on. Tough times. Arcs, yeah, oh, tough times. We went in there like gangbusters, sheetrock crew, everything. We got the water out. We got the furniture out. We got the mold out. We got everything out. We, we redid the property. We threw the couch out, got him a new couch. This was all one day. Yeah. Like we, we went in there like elves yep. on Christmas Eve. Um, and I was so proud of them. I was so proud of me. Um, I, I was like, you did good. I was like, you know, that's one notch. You know, for any, anything you might have done wrong, I think we might have got back in good favor. Um, we all did a lot of good during Sandy. Brother. Yes. You're, you're, listen, we I, did. I, I, I don't know your relationship with your brother, but I'm going to tell you a story about that. Uh, I'll jump into it real quick. So I'm out there and, and I'm working hard and, uh, some guy comes over to me. He goes, those are my shovels. I'm like, what? I'm like, those are my shovels. You stole my shovels. It was your brother. It was your brother. I haven't seen him since then. It wasn't his shovels. I got them from Andrew Lance's office. 
But he was so convinced. I was like, I had hundreds of them. Like, okay, take the shovels. Holy shit. I'm sorry. Um, your brother could be a little bit of, you know, I'm talking. I haven't seen him since then either. Oh, really? So, yeah. Damn. Oh, my God. What's his pro- I didn't want to fight him. You Touch know, you I about a, the shovels. I was like, I was like, take the shovels. You want the shovels? Take them. They were green handles. I still have some of them in my house. We had hundreds of them. I got them from Lanza. Cool. Anyway, I didn't want to fight with. I didn't want to fight hey, with the guy. Are those Cole your Andy. green handles? Yeah, shovels. <laughs> I was on Highland Boulevard. I can remember them. They were wrapped in paper, in uh, brown paper. Um, you know, but he did have the same shovel. I'm not gonna lie, he did. So I could see how he might have thought that, but he was totally wrong. Um, I said. I set up corners, different. I set up different corners during Sandy, and we just put tables out. Yeah, um, you know, running was, food. Yeah, down. running food. You yeah. know, um, uh, Paul from Nicole's office. He, he was the chief of staff at the time. I forgot his last name. Great guy, Paul. Um, he would call me up, and he would dispatch me and my team. Uh, we ha- had a whole squad, and if I didn't have a squad, I put on Facebook. Need help, food, yep. supplies at this place, and people were coming. Man, they were coming with masks and clothes. I was like, this is so beautiful. Yep. Uh, they, they just, we were just rallying and then tobacco was on guy and rescue. And like, we all coordinated efforts with each other. And then I did something that was really, really, uh, huge for me. I, I, I told everyone on team determinate, we had so many people come in for the marathon that year. Now this is the year the marathon was canceled. Yep. We had all these goods and supplies. We had all these people here. I rallied everybody to, to meet at a certain part. I thought I'd maybe have a hundred people. I'm telling you, I had 300 people if I had one. Mm-hmm. They got off the train at the same time. My son's snapping pictures. I was walking down, I'll never forget, I was walking down, down Highland Boulevard, and all these people were behind me, and we just grabbed supplies, we fanned out. Um, once again, Guy and Rescue had all the stuff out, so you know we were really prepared uh, for the worst, and we, and we canvassed the area, and we used the energy, we used the supplies, um, for the, for the people in the neighborhood, you know, people magazine, uh, they came to my house that night. I was so tired. Listen, people magazine comes to my house. I'm going to do an, an interview regardless. that night. I, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I told him, no, I can't come back tomorrow. If you want to talk to me, I, I don't know if it was, it, I think it was people. Magazine. It was a long time ago. Um, but anyway, we were rallying and so many people saw it online that it started, it started creating a, 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 it started creating a life of its own, Yep, you know? And we called ourselves Determination, mm-hmm. Determination. And, uh, you know, people were sending gift cards and, and supplies, and we just, you couldn't get enough of it, you know? Obviously, towards the end of that, I, this was, I mean, this was about four months. We were doing this for four months straight. I wasn't going to work anymore. Say Mortgages. what you will about Staten Island. Yeah. We mobilize for each other <sighs> when the chips are down. Man, and you you got to get in a foxhole. You want to be in this one right here. Yeah. Because we do mobilize for each yes. other. Yes, yes. No doubt about yep. that. And I saw guys that, I, that, that I've that i only saw in, in suits. And I, they're coming out of holes full of yep. mud and, and <clears throat> dirt. Corey, Corey for <laughs> Everybody was all in. Yeah, everybody was all in. You know, yeah, I, don't have to, I don't have to go into that. Um, yeah, everybody was all in. And uh, I met these people from uh, Texas. They came down, uh, they had hazmat suits on, and we were in a really bad molded house. Um, it was unsafe to live in, but the people were living there. They had nowhere to go. It was disgusting. Anyway, um, so we, we mobilized everything. And uh, just to fast forward, um, when Texas got hit with the storm, I said, listen, it's time for some payback. And I was like, I'm, the only way I'm going to do it is if I say it. I put on Facebook. I said, I'm going to Texas. I'm bringing them good supplies and money. Who wants in? 
The next day, New York One's there, the Vance is there, supplies are filling up in the parking lot in my office. Um, and Harrison Schwartz, I'll mention your name, Harrison, even though you left me and went to Arizona. Um, he's in WITSEC. Okay. He's, uh, he has family out in Arizona, so he's out there doing mortgage lending now. We drove 34 straight hours to Texas. Or so I'll say he drove 34 <laughs> straight hours to Texas. He was, he was down to five-hour energy drinks like they were shots of tequila. Um, and uh, we got there. Uh, we set up in a woman's prison, and we gave out this big trailer of goods, fresh water, supplies. We were only giving it to places like Beaumont, Beaumont and uh, little areas that um, weren't receiving supplies. We actually snuck past a few checkpoints because they were stopping people from going going there. But we knew that we, we knew people there, so we knew that they weren't getting the supplies that they needed. So long story short, we paid back Texas. Uh, so we're even right now. Look, there, there's, a, there's a common theme here, right? Your passion bleeds through in everything you do. You don't do anything halfway. You do everything 150%. And that rings through in your philanthropic efforts, um, which again, they're synonymous with your name. Um, and, and in the beginning of the show, I talked about, and Staten Island is thankful for it, believe me when I tell you, uh, how of all things, I'm most proud uh, to, to call you a friend now because you, you're just a different guy, man. You are um, a wonderful person and you bring that tremendous energy into absolutely everything that you touch. So for me, it's been a blessing to get to know you um, and just so you know, I, I, not to cut you off, but that does mean a lot coming from you, to be honest with you. Well, it's, with you. it's the truth. Um, you've moved me in many different ways. So <clears throat> good stuff, man. Look, we're, we're already running over an hour. Um, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? If folks want to, and, and people, if you need a mortgage, uh, th there is nobody better. And I, I've dealt with all of them. In my 20, I don't know how many years I'm doing this now, 25 years, uh, you will not get anyone who cares more than Sal and his team. And that's just where it starts and it stops. So how do we get in touch Thank with you? James. Well, um, on Instagram, Salvatore John Crisquolo. I'm on Facebook, obviously. Very all over Facebook. <laughs> um, and now I uh, check out my reels. Now I'm kidding around. I don't, don't check out my reels. I tried to hide that. People love that more than anything else. That's just me uh, taking my hat off. Um, they could just go to getapprovedbysal.com. That's my website, getapprovedbysal.com. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It's just straight to me so I can you know, get to know the person. It's uh, getapprovedbysal.com. And, uh, you know, I do have a lot of YouTube videos. Um, you know, one of them has, I think, as much as eight views. Well, so I'm really rocking them <laughs> that 20 years that I've been doing it on YouTube when my green screen, my green screen's the worst, James. You got to see it. You got you to watch some of my old videos. You will not stop laughing. I was like this. I was like Ralph Cramden. Humming, humming, humming. Um, it, was, it was terrible. It was really It was really terrible. Really but I tried. And the information still is good on, on, on there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I put my number all over the place because, yep. you know, if you want to crank call me, go right ahead. I'll just block the number in the future. Um, that's my feel. I've had the same phone number for 25 years. I'll never get rid of it. I told my son, if I ever die, just take this phone, take the phone. and go to work. Same thing. That's it. Yep. That's it. Don't lose this number because um, generational it's for me, you know, and my, and my son is a loan officer as, as well as a streamer. He's a licensed loan officer and, you know, he's, he's, he's actually pretty good at it. 
Um, so very... get approved by Sal. Yes. That's the best way. Yep. All right. Look, we can go on for hours, and I'd love to pick this back up again. Um, thank you for the time today. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for who you are. You, uh, again, if you don't know Sal, hopefully you'll have the opportunity to, to get to know Sal. He's just one of those guys. It's been an absolute blessing for me, and um, I look forward to continued collaboration. Same, same here. And, and honestly, for some of my followers, <laughs> I want them to uh, please know that this is not just the Mutual Admiration Society. This is actually, <laughs> no, this is actually real talk. This is a real man, um, comes from a real, a real family, and they do really good things for not only the, the community, but uh, for, um, for, for uh, philanthropic efforts as well. And uh, it, it's really been my pleasure to be here. And just glad to be out of the house, too, as well. And uh, if you ever <laughs> want to do part two, I'm in. Absolutely. 100%. Thank you so much, James. I appreciate you, and I appreciate everything that Cassandra Property stands for. Thank you, sir. Love you. And uh, everyone out there, holidays are coming. Let's be smart and make sure uh, we all stay safe, okay? Catch you on the next one.